Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd Stiles. I'm one of the pastors at First Family Church. Glad you've tuned in today to gain some further insight and application regarding the text we looked at last week. I am drawn to a phrase in verse 6 um, that, that Peter uses to discuss the way those believers were, and I use this word intentionally, the way those believers were feeling about what they were going through. He says in verse 6, towards the end, that they were grieved by various trials. That word grieved, uh, the word grieved is quite intriguing there. It does speak about an emotion. And you'll notice that in the in that phrase there in verse 6, Peter does not actually list the trials. Uh, his focus seems to be on their response, their emotion, their grief from the trials. And I'm really thankful that, that Peter addresses that and mentions that and brings it to the surface that here are these readers in the middle of their joy, because they were rejoicing in God's work of salvation, in the middle of their joy, they're also experiencing and balancing this other emotion. Uh, he uses the word grief. It's this sense of, of sorrow. It's this sense of, of, um, um, of almost like a deflation, even in the midst of an inflation of emotion. Uh, we would use the word joy or rejoicing. I like that because I think unintentionally, sometimes we have the impression or we give the impression or perhaps we think that we can't exhibit any kind of emotion that might be on the other end of the excitement spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we easily um, are glad and excited. Uh, we love those kinds of emotions, but often when in the middle of our faith journey, we have the opposite of emotions. We're struggling. We're sad, uh, lamenting. Uh, we find that there's a deflation, as I said a minute ago, of perhaps our feelings. We find that we have grief. Often we we tend to want to hide those or pretend we don't have those or perhaps even think that that's unspiritual. And Peter here does a very unique thing, and he says, in the middle of great inexpressible all-fulfilling joy about God's work of salvation, you will also at times have this emotion that can be grieving. So what I want to do is just take maybe three or four more minutes, and I want to just talk to you about emotions within the Christian life. I'm not an expert on them, um, but even, even in managing and balancing my own and in helping our church uh, members through theirs at times. I've learned a few things about emotions that I think have helped me, have helped others, uh, basing these, of course, in God's Word. And so I want to just bring a few thoughts about our emotions that I think will help you today as you apply further this text in First Peter. First of all, I think a ground rule is this. Emotions are given to us by God. We are made in His image, and so we have emotion passion. And so here's the a key thing that has helped me is emotions shouldn't be eliminated, but they need to be translated. I hope you're catching that. Again, emotions don't need to be eliminated, but they do need to be translated. And I, can't, I think that that is an admission that God has made us as emotional creatures. We have highs and lows and these are good things for us, but let's admit that because of our depravity, because we are 
in the image of God, but that image has been marred by sin. Our emotions can run away with us. They can lie to us. They can lead us wrongly. And so we don't want to eliminate the the emotions, but we do want to translate them properly. Let me suggest there are four ways that we can effectively and appropriately translate our emotions, maybe even four tools to use in translating emotions. First of all, let me just say I think time is one of the most helpful tools or one of the most helpful ways in learning to translate emotions. This is especially true when the emotion is towards the side of being upset or angry um, and you want to begin to create a narrative and connect dots that shouldn't be connected and you're forming a story regarding a situation or a person. I have discovered that it's, it's very beneficial and helpful just to give it a day. Try and sit on that and try and wait 24 hours. Now, not every situation allows that. But I think more often than not, most can. And so if you can, allow time to be one of the tools or one of the ways that you process your emotions. Just give it a day. Give it a 24-hour period before you act on anything you feel, especially uh, when it's in that uh, range of emotions that deals with our response of anger or frustration um, in those areas. Another really good tool is this the tool of others, a trusted friend, a, an accountability partner, uh, a spouse that knows you better than you know yourself, especially in times when your emotions can get ramped up. So I would encourage you, utilize the benefit of trusted others within the family of God. Uh, run your emotions by them. Uh, have someone who's kind of like a quick valve release that you can call in a minute's notice or a text and just say, hey, here's what I'm sensing right now. Here's what I'm feeling. Uh, what am I missing? Where am I wrong? And when it comes to this tool of others, let me suggest this, that I think in the immediate conversation you have with them, I, I think it's, I've found it's very helpful to give them permission to tell you you're wrong. If you just say, here's what I'm feeling, what do you think? Uh, sometimes, you know, our best friends want the best for us, and, and there's a, a sense at times a tiptoe around the obvious. I have found it's helpful to say, hey, here's what I'm sensing. Here's what I'm feeling. I don't think this is helpful. I'm not feeling great about it, but I'm not sure why. Can you tell me um, why I'm wrong on this? And give them permission in that simple question, those opening statements, to go ahead and kind of nail you to the wall, so to speak to kind of unpack for you why you shouldn't feel that way or why you shouldn't act on those feelings. The point is, others, um, trusted others is a great tool in helping us translate our emotions. The third and fourth tools, they're very similar, but they are these, to uh, utilize the tool or, or the form of writing to kind of express your emotions. Often we feel things and then we say things without running them through the filter of, of how they sound or even how they are read. And so I would encourage you, when you're beginning to experience a lot of emotion, uh, write out what you're feeling. And this is actually very helpful when your emotions are in the range of exuberant joy and great praise and lots of gratefulness. Often some of the best songs, some of the best poems, uh, some of the best essays, reflections, devotionals, they come out of these moments when our heart is so full. And if we can put that to paper uh, and write what we're feeling Often it is a blessing to many people. 
Now, admittedly, not everyone's a writer, not everyone's a poet, uh, a musician, or a songwriter. I get that. Um, so just use this tool as you can. It also is helpful before you say something or send an email um, to reread what you write or to perhaps write what you're about to say, because you'll find that perhaps it will sting a lot more than you realize, and perhaps you won't hit the send button after all. So sometimes writing is not meant to be a way to express your feelings and then read it. It's maybe more of a way at times to express your feelings and for you to see how that feeling actually isn't helpful. It's leading you astray. It's going to be a wrong um, navigational tool. But writing is one of the ways we actually help translate feelings, uh, not eliminate them. And then lastly, <clears throat> I'd encourage you to, to use the um, tool of songs or singing. I mentioned this earlier about writing songs when you're full of joy or, or even in lamenting moments. Perhaps some of our, our best um, verbalizations of sadness can come in when writing a poem or a song in the middle of grief. But also singing these songs. Um, and there's no doubt music is a universal language, and it helps us translate our emotions regardless of where they are on the spectrum. You know, this is really what the Psalms are. The Psalms, uh, it's the Hebrew hymn book. And so in moments of great joy or whether it perhaps is deep grief, I think the Psalms are musical expressions of our emotions. So read through them. Perhaps you want to play music of a certain type at different moments when you're feeling certain things. And sometimes the words that those authors have written or, they're, or, they're, or that they're singing can often capture what you're sensing and feeling in the moment and can better help you think about what you're experiencing emotionally. And then you can translate that, sometimes redirect your emotions and your feelings in a more uh, healthy manner than perhaps leaving them to direct you in an unhealthy manner. Without a doubt, more can be said about our emotions. Here's the thing I want to remind you of again. Peter mentions them here. He says clearly they can coexist um, even when they seem like they're opposite. So you can have an emotion of grief even in the middle of an emotion of rejoicing. Um, and, and those emotions, wherever they fall on the spectrum, they don't need to be eliminated. God made us as emotional people, but they do need to be translated. And so... Here are four tools to help you do that. Others, time, writing, and then singing or songs. And I trust that will help you this week as you rejoice in the great and uh, incredible work of God's salvation while at the same time enduring very uh, difficult trials that bring you grief. We can hold both things in our hands and we do so by the Spirit of God and in the love of God. So I trust and pray that for you this week, and I'll talk to you next week on the Extra Point Podcast.